Good morning. morning. The Lord's blessings to you this day. Uh, So, so glad. You know, it's funny. I took a weekend off from preaching and I I missed it. I missed preaching to you, missed talking to you. I know that's a silly thing to say, uh, but anyway. I want to just focus in on and make sure that we're all on the same page as we begin today, that I'm, I'm really excited to talk about Psalm 126 today, especially verses 1 and 2. Uh, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. Uh, so I just imagine this psalm describing a situation where uh, such joy came into your life that you could do nothing else but smile and laugh and dream. Uh, These are the kind of things that our Lord has in store for us. And uh, we're going to talk about them today, and we're going to celebrate them as well as we read God's Word, uh, sing His hymns, uh, and and speak these psalms. Uh, So let us pray as we begin our time together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ who has changed everything, including our lives, uh, and given us hope beyond what we could even have imagined, that you will make all things new. You will make our lives new. You will make everything new. And it is beyond our imagination. We are so hopeful for that day. And we look forward to that day when we will be like people who dream with our mouths wide open, shouting for joy, Uh, that is something we cannot even grasp. Uh, This day, Lord, we ask that you would fill us up with hope, with your word, with your strength, to persevere through this veil of tears as we await the joy that is to come in your resurrection on the last day. We pray all this in Christ's name. His will be done in our lives daily. Amen. Again, our readings today really focus around the idea of joy, joy in the Lord. So we look at Isaiah chapter 51. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces that pierced the dragon? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made... The depths of the sea away for the redeemed to pass over. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass, and have forgotten the Lord your maker? who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, and you fear continually all the day because of the wrath of the oppressor when he sets himself to destroy. And where is the wrath of the oppressor? He who is bowed down shall speedily be released. He shall not die and go down to the pit, neither shall his bread be lacking. I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth and covered you in the shadow of your hand, establishing the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth and saying to Zion, you are my people. This is the word of the Lord. 
when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. Then our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. Our epistle lesson for today is taken from Colossians chapter 1. And uh, just for, just so you know, the uh, drawing is an Albrecht Dürer drawing of St. Paul, uh, which Albrecht Dürer is one of the reformers. Uh, So he was during the time of Luther. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel lesson is taken from Matthew chapter 9. While Jesus was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman, who, the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd make a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. This is the word of the Lord. Due to our readings today and the message I think they're giving, that in the face of Christ, death is 
a very small obstacle. Uh, and the sixth uh, petition of the Lord's Prayer, Luther talks about this. He says uh, that our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief or despair. I think our readings today are trying to remind us that we should never be a people who have despair, but rather joy, even in the very most difficult parts of life. So that's why I chose the meaning to the sixth petition today. Uh, let's, let's do this as well. And lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. We have our children come forth for a children's message. Good morning. So, I'm kind of curious. What kind of things make you, you want to come around so I can see? You can sit right here. What kind of things make you joyful? Hmm? What kind of things make you joyful? A giraffe? All right, that works. Yeah, a giraffe makes me happy too. I, I have to imagine when you were uh, after Halloween night and you're emptying out all your candy stashes on your bed, right, or something like that. That probably made you a little happy, right? Yeah. But it's, it, joyful is almost a different kind of thing, isn't it? It's just an amazing emotion. And it probably doesn't come around maybe as often as we like. I think of things like maybe seeing our grandparents after a long time or um, seeing uh, someone we didn't expect to, or uh, when a really wonderful kind of thing happens, like uh, um, there was a moment that was very kind to me. The congregation uh, gave me a, 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 a sum of money. It wasn't the money, it was the thought. It was that they, they loved me in this way. And that gave me joy, Yeah. There's lots of things like this, and it's something that's just really precious. And when it happens, I think we should hold on to it. We should really think about it. So I'm, I put some pictures together of things that give me joy. There's one. That, that picture gives me a lot of joy. That's, Grayson was my first child, and my wife snapped this picture of Grayson looking at me, and I could see something in her face, and that thing that's in her face gives me joy. Yeah, and joy just gives me joy. <laughs> Can we go back to that one? Uh, joy put that outfit together herself, as you can tell, and she was so proud of it. And and when I looked at it, I laughed and laughed till I cried. And then I took the picture, and she was so excited to take the picture because we were going out shopping together. It was my day off when I snapped that, so we went out shopping, and she was going to wear that out. She did. Um, I'm excited to see what she thinks about it at late service. And then uh, Moses, he had this cowboy hat he'd, he'd wear around, and I'd call him Roscoe P. Coltrane. And then I'd go, geese, 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 and then he would do it back. Geese, 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 Dad. Yeah, and he had a little, if you can see it in his hands, he had, a, he had a horse that he'd ride around with his cowboy hat on. It gave me a lot of joy. And then Esther with her pigtails gives me a lot of joy, too. Then there's this, uh, there's this, this guy, 
who's only happy when he's got a sucker in his mouth. Uh, and then the last one, this is a fun picture here. You may, not, you may not recognize it, but we actually took this picture years. This is before we even started at Breckenridge. So this was about 12, 13 years ago. Who knew that we'd end up in South Dakota, right? But Laura has this thing, whenever she takes a picture, she always does her Laura. This, I don't know what else to call it, but her Laura, Laura splash. She does this. And now the, now the other girls do it too. Joy and Graceland do it as well when they take a picture. It's pretty fun. Oh, well, let me finish what I was going to talk about here. So, in our readings today, I love this psalm. This psalm just struck me, right? The psalm is talking, Psalm 126 is talking about the fact that they've been taken away from their promised land and taken away from all their hope and their joy. And then the Lord, he restores them. He puts them back where they were supposed to be. He gives them back what they were missing. He gives them everything they were hoping for. And there is joy in their lives to such a degree. Have you ever been so happy that you just kind of laughed? You just started laughing and you couldn't stop laughing? Or you're so happy that you were smiling and didn't even know you were smiling? You weren't even trying to smile? You just had a big, big smile on your face? You ever had that? I've had that. I, I've had a time where I was so happy that I was smiling so much that my face hurt. Yeah? Yeah, and I think that's what it's talking about here. It says, we were like those who dream. And our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. God had done such wonderful, great things for them that they were, they were deliriously happy. They were overjoyed. They, didn't even, they couldn't even express how happy they were. All they could do was laugh and smile and, and sing out to God. So, I hope that you have hope in, and joy in the midst of what sometimes, you know, this world isn't perfect, is it? It's hard sometimes, right? Who, who wanted to get cold here in November? Not me. Yeah, but it did, right? Life gets hard. It's, it's not always easy. But we are a people who, in the midst of whatever situation life throws at us, no matter how bad it is, we have joy. Now, this is a picture. This is artist rendering of the artist herself was drawing, drew herself into the picture. And she was drawing her reaction when she meets Christ on the last day. She's pretty happy, right? She's got joy on her face. She's like one, as it says in her psalm, who her mouth was all wide open. and She was dreaming and all she could do was shout. You ever, you ever been so happy and hugged someone so much that you didn't even make words, you just kind of screamed? I've done that. Yeah, like a little girl. <laughs> yeah. I think this is what's happening here. She's so happy to see her Lord and her Savior that she is, she doesn't even know what to say. Her brain doesn't have words, but her heart does. And it screams, it yells, it shouts. Yeah? I want you to think about that. That's our joy. Beyond anything else, you know, the happiness of work, the happiness of, of home, and, and even family, the happiness that I get out of my kids, it, it pales in comparison to the joy we will have when we will see Jesus Christ face to face. Yeah? All right. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your many blessings, especially for the gift of forgiveness and eternal life that you give to us. Uh, Lord, help us to be a people who live in joy at all times and in all circumstances. We pray all this in Christ's name. And God's will be done in our lives daily. And all God's people said,
Amen. I have uh, never written an obituary. I haven't needed to yet, thanks be to God. My parents are still alive. My children have been healthy. And my parents wrote the obituary to my grandparents. So uh, I've never had to do one myself. Uh, I'm, I imagine that many of you have had to work on one of these in your life. I have been asked as a pastor uh, input, you know, what to write, how to write it down. I usually have a bunch of samples and things like, hey, here's, here's things you could follow. But I've never written one myself. And I am thankful for that because I imagine it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Someone that you have loved is passing away or has passed away. And you have to put into words a life that meant more to you than perhaps words can express. Plus the questions of, is it enough? Is it written well? Did it capture the person or express the condolences with deep enough emotion? Oftentimes obituaries seem to focus on achievements and good things. You don't see the failures or the disappointments in an obituary. Why is that? Isn't life a combination of both of those things? As much good as a person did, were they not also a sinner? The reason I bring up obituaries today is I couldn't help but think about it in our gospel text about this woman. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, where she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Now, I usually try not to peek at other gospels, but this one is so... Uh, prominent that I couldn't help myself looking at the same, the very same story in the Gospel of Mark, and Mark words it a bit differently. He says, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and spent all that she had and was no longer, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Fairly similar, except that you get more kind of inter-dialogue and probably history in the Gospel of Mark. For our purposes today, I'd like to give a, a name to this woman. She doesn't have a name. She's never given a name in the scriptures. But let's just give her one so we can refer to her name, or our made-up name. And we're going to name her Simcha, which is the Hebrew word for joy. We'll call her Simcha. So here's a, here's a proposed obituary for Simca. Simca was a good mother and woman. She had spent her life serving others, only to be struck with a bleeding disease these last 12 years. She had gone to every physician seeking help, but to no avail. At the time of this writing, she is down to her last few days, and she is preparing to die. Flowers can be sent to Astra Funeral Home, on the corner of Main and Fifth in Bethpage. I know, it's kind of silly. But I wanted to drill home the truth. She had exhausted all her resources. This was it. Either Jesus could heal her or she would die. Jesus interrupted her obituary. He interrupted the whole proceeding. The people in her life like, likely could smell the eventual future on her. It's an awful thing to know someone intimately and know what's coming. You can sense it when people are going through it. 
They probably knew the eventual future of her life. And suddenly they were completely blown away because Jesus walked through their town. The story is as beautiful as it is, is only half over. Because not just Jesus walking through town heals this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, but he's on his way to save someone else. Let's call her Sabar, which is the Hebrew word for hope. Sabar, the daughter of Jairus, passed away today after a long bout of sickness. She held out hope that one of the many physicians or rabbis her father brought her would be able to help her, but sadly they did not. Her father had sent for Jesus, but at the time of this writing, Sabar had fallen asleep, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. If you wish to pay respects, services will be held at Jairus' synagogue on Wednesday at 11 p.m. 11 a.m., excuse me. You see, the people of the first century had the same problems that we do. We think we can control an awful lot. We think we can make things safe. By the way, that's kind of one of the greatest lies that people have been telling the last couple of years, that we're going to just make life safe. It's not true. never has been true. We think we can predict what will happen. Truthfully, at the end of the day, we are as vulnerable to sickness and disease and the circumstances of life as the people who lived at the time of Christ. Yes, we have antibiotics. Yes, we have inoculations and treatments. But isn't it funny that we spend billions researching cancer, and it seems that the more treatments we get for cancer, the more rare forms of cancer occur. And, of course, it's not out of the realms. We could have a worldwide pandemic. We are not as strong, we are not as powerful as we think we are. We need Jesus just as much as these women needed him in our story for today. I wonder, as I mentioned before, why it is that when death comes, we whitewash our lives. We don't want people to see the truth. We prepare the bodies and we dress them up. We put makeup and chemicals, put makeup on them and chemicals in them, and we say to each other at the funeral, they look so good when they don't. We are beggars in life. We always were. We were born poor and needy. During life, we thought perhaps we could control all the sin and all the risk, but at the end of life, we become much like we were when we entered life, dependent and needy. Only now we are angry and bitter that what we always were, needy beggars, is not what we actually thought we were. Needy for Christ, forgiveness, restoration, and renewal, that is us. Whatever circumstances develop prior to Jesus getting there, he acts on his own. He decides just what he wants to do. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion. He said, go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And I love this part. Because Jesus is the Lord of life. Raising someone up from death is as easy to him as waking someone up from a nap. Although, you know, good luck getting wild enough from a nap. Just saying. Death is no match for the Son of God. 
And he is the Son of God, and he is your Lord. And he comes today to your house. It continues, and they laughed at him. When the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose, and the report of this went throughout all the district. Death means nothing to Jesus, but it means everything to us. You may be sitting in your seat wondering why it is that he, the Christ, hasn't shown up to heal your bleeding problem. Why he hasn't been there to wake your slumbering loved one. He certainly can do it if he wished. But if Jesus were to raise up people, you know, the sad reality is that everyone who was risen up to life during Jesus' ministry had to what? They had to die again. The root problem isn't the frailty of the human body or the ability to fix it or the ability to rise it up. The root problem is the sin. And Jesus had a plan for sin. Son of Mary and Joseph of Nazareth died today, often claiming that he was the Son of God. He was able to do miracles of healing and feeding. He spoke well, taught many about Yahweh, but eventually got himself in trouble with the authorities, committed blasphemy in their presence, and claimed to be the Son of God. He was crucified along with two other criminals on the eve of the Passover, and as of this writing, he is resting in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Letters of condolences are not encouraged at this time, as they might serve to get the deceased parents and disciples in further trouble. It's pretty silly, I know. But the Apostles' Creed is sort of Jesus' obituary. It lists his suffering and death, but it also lists his resurrection. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Jesus interrupted the obituary of Simcha of Sabar and he interrupted his own. And this is the solution to your sickness. This is the solution to your sin. This is the solution to your death. It's not for Christ to follow you around every moment of your life to give you healing whenever you bump or skin your knee, but it is to give you eternal life in the midst of suffering and death, to give you eternal life through his death and through his resurrection. Truly, the third article of the creed is your obituary. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body. Your resurrection. And the life everlasting. Your future. Because you will live. You will live after death, after cancer, after heart disease, after accident or war, tumult or disaster, you will live, you will live forever. I imagine as the heartache of these families, the heartache of these sick women, it must have been excruciating. Learning that someone they loved was beyond help. I imagine some of you, maybe many of you, have gone through this yourselves. 
But then Jesus walks into our life and changes everything. The disciples thought their lives were over. And Jesus appeared to them in their room, their room of fear, and he changed everything. I was drawn to this idea of overwhelming joy in the face of difficult times because of our psalm for today. This amazing thought. Rarely do you see things described in such human terms, right? You you speak about God from God's perspective, but here we're talking about something that we as human people can understand, things we've gone through, how we would react to these kinds of wonderful things happening. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. This is not just verses. This is our future. We will be like people who dream with shouts of joy and hope in our mouths because God has done great things for us. This verse is speaking of the return and restoration. The joy Israel would have upon the return to the Holy Land, but this is a joy that we know now and we will know in the future. The people we have loved, the people that we have watched get sick or ill, the people we have watched die, they will rise from the dead. And we will all be together again. And I imagine we will be like those who dream. Our mouths will be filled with laughter. Perhaps our obituaries, perhaps how we remember our lives, would be better served by writing our hopes and our dreams. Ryan Drevlo died today. He was a sinner who tried admirably to serve his neighbor. But the grand total of his life was more sin than good. But Ryan was a believer in Jesus. Ryan trusted that Jesus would raise him from the dead. Ryan now lays in his grave, but he knows that this obituary won't end with him lying there. He knows that this obituary will be interrupted. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the Lord's blessings be upon you as we continue his kingdom work and his kingdom field. Uh, Truly, I love you all very much. And it's wonderful to be standing amongst the people, you know, like even my own family, even my own blood relatives, uh, uh, friends, uh, whatever the case would be. It is a wonderful thing to stand shoulder to shoulder with a people who look the same direction and believe the same things and trust in the same Lord. In this very crazy world, it is a blessing. I'm blessed by you. I hope you're blessed by me. Um, And I love you all very much. There's nothing you can do about it. Lord's blessings.